Welcome. You're listening to Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. We have a very interesting and exciting guest today, Shamil Hargovan, and he's going to tell us all about what he is up to here in just a moment. Uh, remember that you can uh, email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. And we're on social media where we share all of our upcoming programs and our pre-recorded programs as well. In just a moment, Shamil will be with us. This is Heartstock. I'm Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. We'll be right back. This is Hardstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, our guest is Shamil Hargovan, and he is the Managing Director of STS Capital. He's also the CEO of Altruvest Charitable Services. Hi, Shamil. Hi, Carol. It's nice to be with you. Mm, thank you so much for sharing what you're up to here on Heartstock. When we spoke earlier, we kind of came to the conclusion that your secret sauce is that you have experience and perspective, both as an entrepreneur and an investor. Can you tell us a little bit about your activities at STS and Altruvest and how those two kind of have merged into um, really trying to make an impact in the world? Absolutely. Um, I I will just say, Carol, I'm I'm very fortunate um, in that uh, through my career, as they say, you connect the dots almost later. Things sort of led to one another. And I've been able to be in a position to both uh, work on the philanthropic side through Altruvest and help other founders and entrepreneurs with their extraordinary exit through STS Capital, where where essentially uh, we believe we can create billions of dollars in new philanthropic capital for the world by, you know, helping founders with these great exits. And, you know, through that journey of being an entrepreneur, there's a lot you learn about business that you're not taught in business school, you're not taught in the classroom, um, you learn through experience. So what I will say is entrepreneurs, by definition, are change makers, and they're out there in the world evolving the way our society works through the organizations they build and create. Um, so I'm very passionate in supporting entrepreneurs who are impact or purpose-driven, and I, I believe what, what you essentially have is a generation of entrepreneurs coming about that don't distinguish too much between the word impact and the word good business. And I think that's an extremely exciting thing for everybody in the human race. Yes, indeed. And this is the, the topic of many conversations on Heartstock. And I'd like to start out with a little background. It sounds to me like you've lived in some pretty amazing places. Where did you grow up? Yeah, um, I was born in uh, Australia, Melbourne, Australia. And uh, when I was four years old, I moved out to East Africa, Tanzania. Spent about 10 years in Tanzania. It certainly shaped my, my worldview in that got to see both the, the very rich and the very poor in one place and the great divide and, and the consequences of that. 
certainly also got to see the optimism. We've all often paint Africa as this large continent with the broad strokes and don't pay too much attention to the specifics of the people and realizing all the nuances of the people and the culture and where they want to go as different different countries within Africa. Um, it really got me to think about the world and you kind of just paint a broad stroke. And while I was there, some of the pivotal moments in my life, unfortunately, uh, I lost my father um, when I was younger. And so that was a pretty hard moment for me, my, my mom and my brother. But my mom also ran a small travel agency. And when 9-11 hit, uh, her whole business basically went undone overnight. So the, the effect of, of an event in America felt thousands of miles away in Tanzania. When I was a teenager, I moved back to Australia. My mom actually remarried her old college sweetheart from 30 years prior, which is a bit of a fairy tale story in of itself. And he happened to be in California. So when I was a teenager, my mom had said it was a three for one special and he's a wonderful man. And we ended up moving to California. And that's where I got to be in Silicon Valley at the age of 16. And my eyes just lit up with possibility. And, and uh, obviously now I'm a very proud American and I, I married my college sweetheart. Yeah, it, it certainly has given me a perspective to have grown up in all those places. What was the first moment you think where you realized, hey, we can do amazing things with this human experiment of, of business? Yeah, you know, I, I, if you look at it uh, on its historical perspective, business in many ways is things people did to drive society. It was the civilization that prospers with commerce. And it was a way for people to effectively make our factors of production or um, our pillars of the economy work for more people and for themselves. And yes, over the years, there have been businesses that have gone unchecked and in some cases skirted regulations and have taken advantage of society. But largely, I do buy into the concept that we are better off as a human society with the, the products, services, and goods we're, that are available to us. Now, I would argue sometimes there's access and we all seem to fall into the loop of needing the next new thing. But all that said and done, as a society, you know, there's a lot you can do that would have taken hours and effort. And if it wasn't for all the products and services built by business owners, we would not have as thriving a society. So I've always believed that business is a force of good. And what's really exciting about this next century we're going into, it's not just a force of good, but I think it's going to be the primary force of good in our society. Yes, I have come to the same conclusions. And I'm wondering, before STS Capital Partners and Altruvest, what prepared you along your path for what you're doing today? That's a good question. I, I, you know, I would say it would boil down to three big, big ideas. I think the first is um, people believing in me. I think every child who grows up in this world is better off when they've got a community of people who believe in them and nurture them. And for me, in my case, I was part of Rotary International and Interact when I was in high school and was given the opportunity to participate in Model United Nations through scholarship. Um, and then obviously being able to attend an incredible university in, in Claremont, California with Claremont McKenna. And so I would say it was that belief and investment society made in me and my potential. Um, so that's the first thing. The second would be the real 
technical or just learning through experience that I went through. So for me, it was, I was a, uh, an entrepreneur in college. I worked, I worked a job throughout since I was 14 years old. So I got the work ethic while in college. I got to work with Stanford research Institute on a, on a startup in the hyperlinked video space, had a moderate amount of money from that, that I then used to pay off my student debt got into management consulting. And I always joke, it's always strange to me that a 20-something-year-old is qualified to be a management consultant. But, uh, you know, uh, I learned a lot and obviously put in a lot of hours and got to experience lots of businesses. Um, and then uh, from there, you know, as everything in life, there's always a little bit of luck. You know, I met a, a guy who um, now lives in Boise, Idaho, Manny Costas, who was an executive at Hewlett Packard. And he met me on a plane and we talked about how to cook lamb correctly and philosophy. And the next thing you know it, he said, would you like to look at a job here, which was usually reserved for people with much more experience. So I went through the ringer at a big corporation through the interview process and got to work on, you know, billion dollar product lines and everything you do affects millions of people and you get to understand scale. And from there, uh, it, it was um, an opportunity to learn about additive manufacturing, 3D printing, augmented reality, a lot of the new technologies that are going to impact our world. And uh, that's when I was uh, able to uh, work on the startup Weave Wearables Inc. that was a 3D printed footwear startup, where we started to make 3D printed custom sandals and insoles in California, ship them to your home directly. And, uh, you know, so all those parts of my life um, kind of geared me into this direction. And I think there was always this notion of there are folks less fortunate. And if you ever make it in a and you have a chance to get ahead, you ought to bring people with you. And I think that's such a core tenant of a good society. Um, and the third I'll just add is, is having supportive people in your life. So uh, between family, your spouse, your friends, I think it highly dictates the kind of person you ultimately become and, and the values that you try to live your life with. And right now you're speaking with us from Seattle, is that right? I usually would be, but today I happen to be uh, in San Diego for work. Ah, so I'm just kind of curious, you know, why Seattle? Did you go directly from Silicon Valley to Seattle? Well, I did do a little stint in Canada. I spent four years in Vancouver, Canada. Um, the business was the Canadian and American Corporation, so we had our manufacturing in California and our headquarters in Vancouver. And, you know, Seattle, there's not a whole lot of reason. And obviously later on, I realized the perks of being there. But other than, um, you know, my wife uh, is a journalist in Seattle. And this is her time in her career where she's uh, certainly uh, doing some great work. And we wanted to support both careers. But Seattle, as you know, is one of the most philanthropic cities in the country. You know, there's folks like uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, now McKinsey Scott, and uh, her, and then you've got the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and there's a there's a real notion of well, how can you start to give back? And what's interesting as you go through this is there's this professionalization of philanthropy that's occurring, and some of it's good, and some of it's actually bureaucratic, and so I think we're experimenting with several models of how to help the world rise up. And I still believe that business is these potentially the strongest. And I'm wondering, you know, this keeps coming to mind for me is COVID and so many, yeah. you know, stark challenges that we have not really been able to rise to. How, mm -hmm. how can all of this 
really help us be more prepared for future pandemics or global events that really <laughs> require a global response? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a big question that yes. I may not be, uh, uh, yes. you know, solely able to answer, but I'll give it my best shot. And I'll just say this, right? On the charitable side, at Ultravest uh, Charitable Services, our mission, uh, by the way, this was founded by the chairman and founder of STS Capital. That's the connection I met Rob Follows through the world of uh, essentially foundations and charitable giving. Uh, And then he asked me to be the CEO of the foundation. And, you know, when he was younger, he had an extraordinary exit at 29 years old, made some donations to uh, charity, found out the money didn't quite get to the charity, and then decided, well, how do you solve for that? Well, you solve for that by bringing the right talent into the right places so that you can provide the same level of governance and support to charitable organizations. And I just deviated there for a second to illustrate an interesting statistic, which is 80% of charities during the the COVID pandemic have essentially either gone under or had to make significant changes to stay alive. So our system of societal support um, is not as strong as some might think. And one of the things is just understanding how to alter your programming Now, that's a lot easier for, say, an educational charity versus, say, a charity that's feeding the poor and or less fortunate. So it's it's basically a challenge of we all need to learn new skills. It really boils down to if you're going to have everyone come along for this transition, we've got to help everybody be able to evolve and find a place in the society that we're building. And when I say we're building, it's it's everybody can contribute to this. That's the beautiful part. Bring your version of a better society to the conversation, build a commercial sustainable model around it, and chances are it will stick. Mm. So essentially closing the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, and 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 the ability to transition to the new, you know, whether it's new jobs, new new competencies that people need to understand. And certainly, you know, creating opportunity for people. I, I, look, I'll, I'll admit it. When I lived in Australia, uh, I was getting a child support payment because we were living in a pretty difficult time and for my family. And I didn't like getting the support, but I'll tell you what, you know, I've probably paid well over that in taxes, if not much more than that in charity and taxes over the course of my career now. And I think it was a large part of society didn't give up on me when I needed the help. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take our little midway point break here. And in just a moment, we will be back with Shamil Hargovan. This is Heartstock. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Daniel Hogan is in the studio. And today we are speaking with Shamil Hargovan. And he was just sharing with us a little bit about um, making an impact with business. And I'm wondering, this would be a really great time if we could delve Shamil into a little more deeply the mission and purpose of STS and 
Alavest. We talked about that a little bit before, but what's your ideal endpoint here? What is it that you're trying to achieve impact-wise? Yeah, and so the vehicle that I'm spending most of my time on, um, and it's largely inspired by my mentor, Rob Follows, um, who founded both these organizations, um, is is what I would describe as STS actually stands for uh, success to significance through selling to strategics. And what that really means is uh, once you've reached a certain threshold, call it your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, then you know what drives a person is not the money, it's the purpose, it's the legacy, it's what I do with my time to you know, get the most out of life. So we happen to be in an industry that's very, very fortunate that when you work with family-owned businesses and you earn, you work with actual entrepreneurs and you ask them, well, what do you want to do next? For example, one of the founders would like to start a news channel telling all the good news in the world <laughs> once, they, once they exit. And I think that's fantastic. And so we've really come to the conclusion that through mergers and acquisitions, you know, you hear the words iBanking. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I hear iBanking, I think about people in suits in New York and, you know, not exactly the most I'm in it for everyone type people. Now, I happen to know some iBankers, and I don't think that's entirely fair. There's some really good people out there uh, who, so, who, you know, make a big part of our economy. But I it's, think investment bankers is, is that what you mean by iBankers? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Investment bankers. There Sorry, I should have clarified. That, that's okay. Um, so, yeah. and I, And I think the point is, we found a way to do it that I really believe in, which is through the work we do, one, we try to help entrepreneurs sell to the person who really values their company. So it's not just what's your profits and your losses, it's what can I do with your business to help it expand on its vision? And those people tend to to pay good prices for those companies, giving these entrepreneurs these great exits. And then the question is, well, what kind of purpose do you want to leave and live by going forward? And so that gets really exciting for us. And we're also, through the program, helping charities who are in desperate need of cash right now fundraise by working with STS as a partner. And we will actually uh, find a way to creatively allocate a certain amount of our proceeds uh, to these charities, assuming uh, you know we can help them with their vision and mission as well. So that's one thing um, that really excites me about the work we do. And then on the UltraVest side, the concept is very simple on some level, and it's quite big on another. And the simplicity of it is, if you have all the right people in the boardroom of any underserved charity, and they're able to get access to great world-class business expertise, and maybe design talent, and art talent, and all the things you need to run an organization today on your board... Well, those groups are more likely to succeed. And you don't have to be a millionaire to start giving back. You could join the board of a local charity. And we're trying to create chapters around you know, the United States and North America right now. Uh, we've proven this out in Toronto, um, Canada, where we have about 3,200 board members matched already. And the idea is, well, what if we could give everyone the ability to say, I take the UltraVest pledge and I will join a board in my community of my choosing, but on the cause I based on the causes I love, and I'll help them reach their level of governance that makes them succeed and become sustainable. And over time, you know, we would love to also track the way people contribute their time, treasure, and talent. So everybody, just like you get your tax receipt in the year, 
you'd get your social impact report. And I think we're going to have an entire generation of not just young people, but retirees as well around the country who are saying, hey, these are the things I care about. And this is the ways I've given back and chosen to give back to the community charities around me. And that's the movement we're trying to build. I think we need a little clarification on this concept of impact investing versus philanthropic capital. Can you help us all understand the difference between those two? Yeah, that's a very important question, Carol. Thank you for asking it. Basic premise is this. Impact investing is I'm making a financial investment, but I'm going to do it as long as it doesn't do any harm to society, or I can track that it has some social good and uh, what we call ESG, environmental, social, and governance support behind the investment. But you're still making the decision in the context of a financial investment that's supposed to reveal the return. And philanthropy is a little more, I'm giving this money with the intent of it doing good, and I'd like to know it does good. But fundamentally, I'm not expecting a financial return. And the reality is, uh, Carol, is that line is blurring so much right now. Um, And, you know, if I were to pick a horse, I actually think impact investing is more likely to become the trend and sustainable trend while philanthropy for the last century has been done. But the argument goes is people make lots of money and then, you know, they donate a portion of that money back to charity. And, you know, if you ask most people today, they actually want to be part of the solution too. So if you can build a million great companies that do good in the world versus donate a million dollars, you can realize that there's going to be a substantial long-term effect by having corporations which are made of people um, fundamentally uh, create a better society for us all. So that kind of big picture view you know, that we mm-hmm. talked about before, both as an entrepreneur and a, from an investment standpoint. What kind of advice do you have for those two sectors, so to speak, of folks trying to make an impact with their company or their startup, as opposed to those who really want to make an impact with their investment dollars? Any any words of advice? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say no greenwashing, right? And and the, the term greenwashing refers to companies that say we're environmentally conscious and then it's just a, a faux stat to try and placate people. The reality is people are not stupid. So go all in with all your heart is my first piece of advice. Uh, not only is it the right thing to do, but it's actually where the world's going. And and people are going to vote with their, their wallet here in the, in the coming years to come. And it's also a matter of, you know, the inter- interconnectedness of our society. If you if you start to see corporations that, say, c- reduce their carbon footprint, take care of their employees, I think you're going to create a much better off set of systems in our society. So my advice is go all in and do it for real. And there are actual things you can do to measure. So, you know, one of our partners, Proof of Impact, they actually help companies measure their impact. And you're making investments to run a business, but you're actually measuring your impact. And for entrepreneurs, I would say, who are starting companies, I'd say, you know, brand is culture. And our culture right now is, if you can think of it as people, planet, and profits. And 
creating a business with all three of those as part of your balanced scorecard is really important. For investors, I would say it is okay to go in it for profit. And it's okay to say that to the world. But fundamentally, you can make a choice between who to back and who not to back. And the reality is capital allocation, just like our national budget, just like our city budget, just like your household budget, whatever you spend is a way to create policy. So I think what I would say to investors are you have more power than you might realize to affect the kind of society through the decisions you make as investors. Yes, it's multifaceted, and I love that you can speak on that. So we've got maybe about three minutes left. I'm hoping that you can share here at the end how folks might find you and also what lays ahead. Is Can you share any interesting tidbits of what you're working on for the future? Yeah, absolutely. Folks can find me online. Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn or through the STS Capital website or the Ultravist website. Uh, certainly, if they would reach out to you, they can. you can connect me as well. Um, and I'd be glad to have these sorts of conversations. I'm obviously very passionate about it. So thank you for the opportunity. What lies ahead? I'm going to break it down into three levels, at the society level, at the corporate level, and then what I'd say at the personal level. And it comes down to choices. And I'll tell you at the end what I'm most excited about. So at the society level, we obviously, it's hard to ignore. We live in a somewhat divided society right now. And so I think every country, government, uh, community needs to define its values for the next century and understand, you know, if we're going to think about two, three generations out, how would you think differently? My favorite philosopher is a philosopher named John Rawls, and he talks about the veil of ignorance. Create the rules of society as if you did not know where in society you would be born. And all of a sudden, you'll find the rules are more applicable to more people because of that. It's a, it's a theoretical exercise, but if we don't do this, people will be left behind and discontent will brew. And you're going to ultimately find a society that's continues to remain divided. And I don't think we can sustain that. So part and parcel with our move towards an impact-driven society that works for everyone, I think is a, a really hard look at making more people included in what we're doing in the world today. At the corporate level, it's very clear. It is good business and branding and the right thing to do and the sustainable thing to do to measure ESG. That's environment, social, and governance, and measure it such that you can keep your employees excited and proud to work there so that you can actually think of a more sustainable supply chain and sustainable systems that would allow you to have longevity in the products you may build. Every single company has an environmental impact, whether you are an apparel fast fashion company and the the challenges of fast fashion and burning lots of merchandise to a massive Google, Microsoft type company that data rooms and centers alone use up a lot of energy and heat and cooling and all of that. Or you're a a tourism industry and all of a sudden you used to have people come to the coast and the coast has disappeared. So everyone's affected by this in some way. So try not to put your head in the sand, really, is the message for corporations when it comes to thinking about how do we measure ESG. And then at the personal level, I think Never before in society have we actually had the opportunity to carve out 
the kind of life you want to live, it's it's not as easy to say, well, I have to be dependent on oil or I have to be dependent on on meat or I have to. And I'm not suggesting anyone give up meat or oil. I'm simply saying everyone has choices and there's more choices than ever before to live a life according, in accordance with your values. And what I find that's most powerful is those that do inspire other people. And so, uh, I, and I think it's important to say, not try to change other people, but start with yourself. And then I would, and, and go from there. Indeedy. Just want to say thank you so much for sharing with our listeners and really appreciate what you're working on. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock. We'll see you next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. It didn't say-